Alright, clock him. What was his time? E. 37 seconds, sir. Are you kidding me? That's like 7 seconds off the rest of the field! You know what that means. Oh great, another field filler. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the bottom of the playlist as well as the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. The first race of the playoffs is in the book. We just had our race at Darlington Raceway. I know I kept saying Speedway in the last episode. I apologize for that. It's actually Darlington Raceway. You know, it's just the oldest track in NASCAR, and I already forgot what the name was. Shame on me. But it was a good action-packed race. We already had one driver lock himself into the next round of the playoffs, and we also have the cutoff line tighter than ever. We have a couple drivers tied, and we only have a couple drivers who are just a few points ahead and a few points behind. But the most important thing is today is Labor Day, so hopefully you guys are having a great day. It's one of those Mondays that you get your day off on. Woohoo! But also, a lot of us have been laid off for the pandemic. So we've had a bunch of Labor Days in the last few months. But enough of all that. Let's go back into NASCAR history. And let's look back at some of the people who were victorious on this day, which is September 7th. We're going to go all the way back to 2013, where Carl Edwards got his second victory of the season at Richmond International Raceway in the number 99 car for Roush Racing. He only led 46 out of the 400 laps. This would be his 21st career win, and in the end, he would score 28 victories. Five years before that, at Richmond as well, was Jimmy Johnson scoring a victory in the number 48 machine where he led only 32 laps out of the scheduled 400. This would be his fourth win of the season. He would win a total of seven this season and claim his third championship in a row. This would be his 37th win of his career, and at this time, he has 83 wins total in his career. Then going back six years, we go back to Matt Kenseth in 2002, winning at Richmond as well. He got the victory, led 134 out of the 400 laps. The only person who was competing against him was the number 12 of Ryan Newman. He got his fourth win of the season. He had a total of five in this year. He did not win the championship in 2002. He actually won it in 2003, where he only got one victory, and it would be his only championship in the NASCAR Cup Series. Driving the number 17 car, this would be the fifth win of his career. He would win a total of 39 races. And then we're going to go back to all the way to 1996, the year I was born. Ernie Irvin wins at Richmond International Raceway. He led 88 out of 400 laps. He was able to edge off Jeff Gordon, who led 168 laps this race, as well as Jeff Burton, who led another 113. He was driving the Yates car, the number 28 machine. This would be the second win of his season and the 14th out of his career out of 15. This one was a very important win for him because in 1994, he had a horrible accident at Michigan International Raceway where he hit the wall at 170 miles per hour. Mind you, this was before safer barriers and all the safety protocols that go into NASCAR. He only had a 10% survival rate. He was able to make a full recovery, got a few victories, and was able to finish in the top 10 in points for two out of his last three years in racing. So that's a little bit of a callback to racing history here on this date. Enough of all that. Let's Let's get into the final results as well as how our fantasy teams did in this race. It's time to get into it. This is the final results at Darlington Raceway.
So for some of you that are a little bit new to NASCAR, this was one of the crown jewel events. So this was a big race to win. If you don't know what a crown jewel is, it's one of the top races of the year. There's four races that are considered crown jewels. The Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, the Brickyard 400, and the Southern 500. I do hear sometimes that one of the Talladega races is considered a crown jewel, but sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So it's best to just leave it out. But Southern 500 for sure is one. So this was a big race to win. It was also throwback weekend which had a lot of phenomenal paint schemes on there i was mad at the drivers who did not have a classic paint scheme but thank goodness none of those guys won the race so we can be happy about that Let's look at a few stats. There was 18 lead changes among six different drivers. We had seven cautions for 34 laps, and it seemed like it was going to come down to two drivers until an incident that happened in the final lap. So in the end, it was driver number four, Kevin Harvick for Stuart Haas Motorsport, running the Bush Beer throwback Ford machine, led only 32 laps in this race, but he led the final laps that mattered the most. He is your victor. He gets his eighth win of the season in that number four machine. Congratulations to him. He advances to round two of the playoffs. Finishing second, another playoff contender, the number three of Austin Dillon came up just a little bit short of getting a victory. Finishing third is the number 22 of Joey Logano. Finishing fourth, the top running person not running for the playoffs at the moment is the number 20 of Eric Jones. He finishes fourth. Finishing in the top five is number 24 of William Byron. Finishing sixth, we have the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Finishing seventh is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Right behind him in the 8th spot is his brother, the number 1 of Kurt Busch. Finishing ninth is the number 10 of Eric Amarola. Rounding up the top 10 is the number 14 of Clint Boyer. Finishing 11th, we have the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. Finishing 12th, the top finishing rookie, the number 41 of Cole Custer. Finishing 13th, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing 14th is the number 42 of Matt Kenseth. 15th, we have the number 6 of Ryan Newman. 16th is the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Finishing 17th is the number 37 of Ryan Priest. Finishing 18th is the number 48 of Jim Johnson finishing 19th is the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and rounding up the top 20 is the number 9 of Chase Elliott. Some noticeable drivers who were in the playoffs but did not finish in the top 20 was the number 21 of Matt Benedetto. He finishes 21st. The number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. finishes 22nd after winning stage 1 and 2, scoring 35 points. Got into a later accident. We'll talk about that in a second. And then Ryan Blaney, which is a bunch of problems throughout the race, he finishes 24th in that number 12 machine. And that is your final results here at the Southern 500. Here's what the points look like after the first race in the playoffs. We have Kevin Harvick, who's locked into the second round with his victory, obviously. Finishing second, who's 54 points above the cut line, is the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Joey Logano sits 27 points above. Brad Keselowski sits 22 points above in the fourth spot. In the fifth spot, we have Alex Bowman in the number 88 machine, 19 points above the cut line. In sixth spot, we have the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr., 16 points above. Chase Elliott in the number 9 sits 7th at 12 points above. Austin Dillon sits at 8th with 10 points above. William Byron in 9th with 9 points above. Then in 10th spot we have the number 18 of Kyle Busch, 7 points above the cut line. Kurt Busch sits only 4 points above the cut line in the 11th spot. And then tied for 12th and 13th is the number 10 of Eric Amarola and his teammate the number 14 of Clint Boyer. The drivers who are on the outside looking in is Cole Custer in the number 41 who sits three points behind the cut line. The number 12 of Ryan Blaney is in the 15th spot, 17 points behind. And tied with him is the number 21 of Matt DiBandetto who is 17 points behind. And that is your points going out of the first race at Darlington Raceway. Now, there are a lot of ups and there are a few downs in this race, so let's get into it. 
one thing we saw was obviously it was throwback weekend everyone was super excited about that but the one thing i miss is seeing dale jarrett and kyle petty back in the booth those guys are great in the booth kyle petty makes me laugh almost every single time he speaks what he what the first thing that comes up on the top of his head i absolutely love that and it was really fun to see him in stage two i wish they would have stayed there till the very end but obviously they can't do that because the other people are under contract to announce every single race but that was really cool to see you know seeing the throwback paint schemes with the throwback announcers and all of them by the way were like drivers of younger stars who first got this sport going i mean richard petty ned jarrett dale earnhardt basically almost the three kings of nasa car before the 90s and then here's their sons up there in the booth who had pretty good careers as well and another thing was that Darlington just never seems to disappoint us with an exciting race yes this race was a little bit more longer than the other ones the other ones I think were only 300 350 miles so they were a lot more action-packed this one was a crown jewel so they weren't going to mess with it obviously they wanted it to be 500 miles and near the end, even though Martin Trex Jr. and Chase Elliott looked like the most dominant guys, they still put on one heck of a show. It was quite a shame that they went into turn one and two, and Martin Trex Jr. thought he was clear, took Chase Elliott out. Both of them hit the wall. Chase Elliott already had some problems earlier in the race, got it fixed up, got his car back up to the front. He originally hit the wall on one of the straightaways, so that's why his car was struggling, but was able to get it fixed, and due to pitch strategies, was running up front, just got into that problem with Martin Trex Jr. at the end. Neither of them were clear. Both of them went 20th and worse. Martin Trex Jr. actually went down pit road. So that was a bit of a bummer, but it just shows that Darlington, you just don't know what's going to happen. Kevin Harvick was there to poise to get the victory. And Austin Dillon, by the way, who I did not think was going to do good in this race at all. This was one of those races where he did not look like he was poised to strike in the top 10. So I didn't even include him on the fantasy points list. But Austin Dillon was able to get the second place spot. Almost got the victory. It's almost like that number three car can only get crown jewel event wins. Excluding the Texas race where they do pit strategy. So, because he's won the Daytona 500 in the Coca-Cola 600 almost won the southern 500 it's just like holy hell you won every big race you could ever think of here in nascar good job on that one but he did really good and another driver who really did impress me was the number 88 of alex bowman and rick henrick for that factor yes some of them finished outside the top 15 but they were running really well jimmy johnson running near the front it was great to see him do that unfortunately he wasn't there at the end chase elliott we just talked about that but even william byron and alex bowman basically the third and fourth guy of that team was able to finish inside the top six at the end and alex bowman it really didn't look like he was going to have a good shot as the past few races he hasn't really looked that great and then for him to come back at darlington and have this phenomenal finish i mean good for him he's kind of put himself in a good spot being 19 points above the cut line and william byron has nine points above not nearly as much but he's really good at bristol richmond i don't think he does really good there but he does have Bristol to fall back on, so he might be looking good as well. So good job for Rick Henrik on that one. The one driver who really let me down, and we're starting to look at the downs, was Matt Bandetto in that number 21. Matt Benedetto absolutely had nothing in this race. He just hasn't looked good throughout the summer. I don't know what's going on with him, but man, just a, just a huge bummer on him. 
Just not able to really get a good car in this race at all. Not competitive at all. It was just a big bummer on him. Ryan Blaney, he this was just unfortunate circumstances. He was near the back of the race because uh, of a tire problem or something like that. And then uh, he just got caught up in some problems. Just nowhere for him to compete. He was the worst finishing driver of the playoffs and he's now on the outside looking in I'm quite worried for Ryan Blaney because Ryan Blaney has been probably one of the top five guys in this season he just is so inconsistent and that worries me because if he's inconsistent at Richmond or Bristol tracks that he's good at but at the same time he struggles at with his finishes that could knock him out and that really worries me and then Cole Custer, I mean, Cole Custer's really the wild card in this entire playoffs. I don't know how he's going to do the next couple of races. I mean, he did great in Darlington uh, for his last few finishes. He was able to step it up, which very well impressed me. So he's only three points behind the cut line. There is a chance he can catch back up, but it's still really tough for him. Another down I want to bring up is actually one of those restarts where Joey Logano got some damage. By the way, good job for Joey Logano to finish in the top three, even though his back end was crushed, was that the, I noticed, Mechanical Manny pointed this out to me, was that the number 32 car of Corey LaJoy, when he ran into that number 22 car, did you notice how fast they zoomed out on that car? Like when they realized it was him and they were just like, oh Jesus, we got to back up on that. So for those who don't know, the number 32 car is actually sponsored by uh, the Trump administration or uh, actually a company that helps with the Trump administration for him to get voted in 2020. And they got a few races underneath him. And this car has caused a lot of controversy on social media. But now I notice how much they're trying to keep that car off your television. I mean, every time they see that car, it's just like, oh, dear God, we can't show that. It's Trump 2020. Very controversial. I mean, this could just be bad luck for that number 32 team. But if this is actually the case uh, because they feel like it's controversial to have that name on that car, what a shame for that team. A team that's doing everything they can to get sponsorships. If their car's not getting shown, nobody's going to want to sponsor that car. And that's what really worries me. So that's a bit of a down on NASCAR. If they are playing favorites because of your sponsorships, that's a little BS on that part. But overall, that was Darlington Raceway. A really good race. I wouldn't say it was one of the best races, but still in the top half. It's still exciting. Still a good race. Great way to start off the playoffs. Now it is time to look at our fancy picks and see which drivers did really good for us and which drivers let us down. It's time to review and see which observer was the best. So before we get started, this is why I'm the field filler. I realized I made a pretty fatal mistake when it came to the fantasy picks. So this whole time I've been telling everyone you can only pick a driver 10 times throughout the 36 races. That's not true. You can pick a driver 10 times in the regular season and then 5 times in the playoffs. It gets fully reset for you in picks. And this whole time I've been saving Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin this whole time and thinking, oh man, I gotta save him for the playoffs, I gotta save him for the playoffs, when I could have just used him the whole flipping time, and I screwed everybody over on this one. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is why you do your research, because you're gonna be making fatal mistakes like that, and I feel kind of like a fool, because there was uh, some, a lot of races where I could have picked some good drivers, and I picked some smos because I was too scared to waste my picks. But just remember this, you've got five picks for the playoffs for each individual driver, so you can use a driver for half the races, and remember for next year, you can use a driver 10 times in the first 26 races, not the full 36. So my apologies to that. 
Hopefully the sad music made it sound like I was a little more sympathetic about that. Um, let's just move on from that. And like I said, I'm sorry on that one. So we had five top dogs, five top tens, and five dark horses, as well as some drivers who mixed the cut. Let's see how actually well they did. First, starting off with Kevin Harvick, I said he would be a top dog, and he was the top dog. He scored the most points in this race. Didn't feel like he was going to, but hey, 49 points, I'd take it. So if you went with Kevin Harvick, good job on that one. Brad Keselowski in the number two, he actually did the worst out of the top dogs. He only got 26 points. Really wasn't there. Got a little bit of damage earlier in the race. Wasn't able to compete. 26 points, 15th best. A little bit of a bummer for that one. Denny Hamlin did the third best, scoring 40 points in that number 11 machine. Again, another driver who I thought was going to score way more points, but just really struggled there near the end due to a pit mishap. So 40 points, bit of a bummer, but at the same time, if you went with him, that was the third most points you could have got in this race. Kyle Busch and Eric Jones both tied at 37 points. Rich, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing did really good in this race. And Eric Jones, he did the sixth best with Kyle Busch. I thought they were going to do a slightly bit better, but still, 37 points. I don't think anyone's complaining about that. I went with Eric Jones, and I was very happy about that one. Moving on to the top 10, guys, we have Joey Logano, who actually scored the fourth most points. He really did redeem himself there near the end, getting that top three, scoring 38 points. I went with Joey Logano as well, so I was very happy with that. Martin Trex Jr., he was in the ninth spot overall, scoring 35 points. He should have scored 60. If you went with Martin Trex Jr., you thought you had 60 points in the bag. And my goodness, just bad luck for him. He was a top 10 guy, but he really shouldn't have been a top 10 guy. Chase Elliott uh, did the 16th best with 25 points. Again, another guy who was up front. If you had Chase Elliott and Martin Trex Jr., you were dancing on lap 20, and then you were crying on lap number 5. That was just an absolute bummer. Kurt Busch in the number one machine scored 36 points. Uh, pretty good race for him. Overall top 10. That's what he needed to do to stay in the cut. So good job for him. And then we got William Byron finishing in the ninth spot tied with Martin Truex Jr. Just to show how bad that finish was for Truex. Won both stages and he tied William Byron who got fifth place. So, But if you went with William Byron, you're really happy about that. Did really well in this race to score 35. Now moving on to the dark horses, Matthew Bandetto completely screwed us over with 16 points. He was not a dark horse, he was a bum. Jimmy Johnson did really good, even though he'd finished near the back, he still scored 34 points, uh, stage points, finished 12th overall, really good job for Jimmy Johnson. Eric Amarola, he was a top 10 guy, but didn't really score any stage points, so he only got 28 points, so he's the 14th best, and his partner Clint Boyer scored one more point than him. So he gets 29 while Eric Amarola gets 28. And then the last guy was Tyler Reddick. I said uh, pick any of the rookies except for Cole Custer. Wow, don't I feel like a jackass because none of them did good at all except for Cole Custer. What a surprise there. Tyler Reddick, 14 points. You bum. You made me look stupid once again. Of course, I, I made myself look stupid, but it is what it is. But overall, we did pretty good on our picks. Uh, 12 out of the top 15 actually finished in the top 15, so good job on that one. Drivers who missed the cut, uh, Ryan Blaney scored 13 points. I didn't think he was going to do well in this race just because of his finishes. I didn't think he was going to do this bad, though. That was a bit of a bummer for Ryan Blaney. He only scored 13 points. Austin Dillon completely surprised me with his performance, getting 38 points. He did the fourth best overall. And then Cole Custer, he did finish outside the top 15, but he still did really good, better than any of the other rookies. If that was your fifth or sixth place guy, you were still happy scoring 25 points. 
Alex Bowman completely blew me out of the water. He actually did the second best, second to only Kevin Harvick. He finished sixth, but still scored 43 points. If you didn't listen to me and went with Alex Bowman, clap, clap, clap. You know way more than I do. Other than that, we did not have really any other non-playoff drivers really compete near the front. This is just really one of those racetracks where the cream always rises to the top. That was a horrible impression of Randy Savage, but that's exactly what Darlington is. The cre the best always goes to the top at this racetrack, and that's absolutely how it was there at the end. I mean, everyone scored a lot of points in this race except for Matty Benedetto and Ryan Blaney. So just to show you how competitive it is right now, we'll see how they do at Richmond. But for now, we did all right going into Darlington. Now. Let's see which observer did the best and which observers did the worst. It's time to see who will get bragging rights for the next week. Alrighty, so we're down to three people. It's Crazy Corrado, it's Vanilla Wafers, and it's Mechanical Manny. We have all been talking major behind each other's backs, but now it's time to see whose stank the worst. Let's see here. So we already know who my picks were. I had Joey Logano, Eric Jones, Eric Amarola, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Matt DiBandetto. Matt DiBandetto, you screwed me! But it's okay, you were my sixth place guy, so I didn't really lose anything to that one. Crazy Corrado went with Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., Ryan Blaney, and Chase Elliott. He had two drivers that let him down, but he had two drivers that did really good for him at the same time. And then Mechanical Manny had William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Ryan Blaney. He also had Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney that let him down, but he also had Kevin Harvick, but he did not include Denny Hamlin. These picks were very, very close, and this was a lot of fun. By the way, nobody went with Alex Bowman or Austin Dillon. At least they listened to me on that one. And none of us went with Martin Truex Jr. We completely missed that one as well. But let, let, let's not focus on that. The main thing is, if we were to include the sixth driver, we would be within five points of each other, all three of us. That's how close it was. Excluding the sixth driver, we're still seven points away from each other. So that's incredible. I'm just going to announce the winner. Because, honestly, that's the most important thing. Because everyone was so close at competing. And let's get into it. Your winner. And the one with bragging rights for this week goes to... Crazy Corrado with a score of 186 points. He is your winner of the Darlington Raceway Weekend. Congratulations to him. He scored 186 points. Just barely edged out Mechanical Manny as well as Vanilla Wafers, which is myself. Mechanical Manny scored 180 points. And me, I finished with 179 points. Mechanical Manny beat me by one point. One I could have went with any other driver besides Matty Bandetto, but no, I, I had faith in the number 21 machine. Oh, yes. I mean, another third place. I either get bronze medals or I get gold medals. There's nothing in between. But Crazy Corrado, he did really well. He, he went with Kevin Harvick, which was a really good pick. He did not go with any of the Rick Hendrick drivers except for Chase Elliott. And Mechanical Manny was really smart with his picks. He just did not include Alex Bowman. That would have been the difference. If he would have picked Alex Bowman, he would have won it. But overall, good job to Crazy Corrado and good job to all the observers. We actually did really well. 
Crazy Corrado now sits at four victories over the season with Mechanical Manny at four and me at seven. And of course, Doofus Rufus at one and he will stay at one. So it was an overall good one. I'm not going to hear the end of it because like I said, we were talking a lot of smack to each other because they heard I had seven victories and now they're just like, oh, we are going to kick your ass this week. Well, you only lightly kicked my ass, okay? It was like a little flick to the cheek. Nothing bad. But I still lost, so I gotta take it like a man, and I gotta try again in Richmond. So let's see how we do at Richmond Raceway and see which one will do the best. But in the end, it was Crazy Corrado who got the victory this weekend. And that will be the last segment of today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Do remember that we are gonna go with our fancy picks on Richmond later in the week, and you can pick all your drivers up to five times during the playoffs it's not 10 times throughout the year it's five times that was my mistake so i just wanted to keep that clear we'll have that episode either thursday or friday so make sure to tune into that one and in the end thank you guys so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest i have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time so i'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road collect my last place winnings and i am out so you all take care this has been the field filler podcast <laughs>